Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. I often talked about the importance of wallet adoption for Web3 to really take off. Meaning that as long as most people do not own a wallet and cannot connect to a website in the browser or an app through a wallet, nothing can really be done in terms of the centralized apps. And most of the action will be either in the niche of people who actually have a wallet which you know feels big when you are inside it, but when you get out of it, you realize that we are what one percent of the population, five percent, I don't know, very little anyway, or done in a centralized way. So from companies who try to take parts of Web3 and and bring it to to most users, but in a centralized way, because if you don't have a wallet, Somebody has to take care of your digital assets. And by doing so, they have control over what you own. And basically, usually when people have control over your finance, they can exploit it or at least keep you in check. Like you're basically giving away your sovereignty. And that means you're giving away most of your rights. And you enter in a trust relationship in which you say, okay, if you're good, if I can trust you, then we can do things. And, and then, you know, you, you trust the brands until the brands, if they have to choose between you and their profits, they usually choose their profits. But the real wallet adoption since, let's say, 2017, when I personally got into Ethereum, into the Ethereum ecosystem, it's been, yeah, okay, it's, it's been growing, but we are in 2022 with two major crypto cycles, which really, you know, they reach the main, they reach the masses, especially this last one with the NFTs. Everybody knows what an NFT is, but how many people got a wallet and interacted with a smart contract? Very few, even if, you know, they've been exposed to this. Now, the question is, Okay, when is this going to happen? Because it's not happened this cycle. Will it happen the next cycle, which is going to be at earliest in a couple of years? Or we're going to have to wait for the next one after that. So when is this actually going to be mainstream? Five years, 10 years from now? Can we really wait? And should we really wait? There's no other way to do that. And, you know, trying to convince people that they have to take care of their private keys so they have sovereignty and they can interact with apps in a decentralized manner means zero to them, really zero. I mean, you could get the guy who just got kicked out of Airbnb the next morning, maybe he's going to listen to you because he's been hurt. But can we wait for everybody to be hurt so they can you know, get to the next level and, and download a wallet? I don't think so. We have to accept the fact that many people, probably most people, will never want to take full control of their digital assets. Why? Because it's dangerous. It is really dangerous. Imagine you have your famous 5,000 reviews on Airbnb and you proudly go about saying, well, Airbnb will never shut me down. I have my own reviews. Nobody can take them away from me. And then you lose your private keys. And 
Well, yeah, they're still online. That's an advantage. But you don't control it. You control the wallet anymore. You lose all your listings. You lose all your money connected to it. So then you realize that having a custodian for very important stuff had these advantages. So let's be honest about this and let's be clear. Self-custody is great for some aspects and it is not great for others. And the same goes for custody. There's no perfect solution out there. Actually, one of my biggest nightmares is that everybody goes decentralized. Everybody has their own you know, accounts and identity, reviews, listings, and money on wallets. And then they lose access to them or they get hacked and they lose them. And that's not even a question. This is going to happen. This is happening already with the famous Bored Ape Yacht Club. NFTs, which attracted a certain kind of user, which is probably not too careful about these things. You know, when you get more on the artist type, you get less structure, more creativity. And you don't need creativity to keep your wallet safe. You need structure. You need to have a certain mindset. And when those kind of people get in, they get wrecked. They they lose millions every day. So, yeah. That self-custody is not the solution for everything. We need something better than that. So why did we go on for years thinking that wallet adoption will finally come? And it was just a matter of time. People had to realize the value in it. And then they had to learn and everything will be all right. Well, the answer, in my opinion, is pretty simple. Because we are nerds. Who built this? Who built Bitcoin? Who build Ethereum? Who build DeFi? Nerds, people who like programming, people who like to solve problems just because they can be solved. It's a mindset which can trick you into thinking that everybody else is like you. It's just a question of learning and taking a bit of time and then you, you're going to be okay. Self-sovereign. But the reality is that if I look around myself and I... You know, I, I look at the people I know, every age and in every situation, a very small fraction of them are eligible for this kind of thing. Right? Like people I would actually tell to, okay, download a wallet and put a lot of money into it or build your career on it. Very few of them. All the others, I would be like, okay, uh, yeah, buy some Bitcoin, put it on a wallet and never touch it anymore. This I can do. But the moment they have to touch it, is the moment they, they can lose it. And we're talking about Web3. We're talking about MetaMask connected to your browser. And I can't imagine anything more dangerous than that. So we have to accept the fact that not everybody's a nerd. We need different kinds of solutions. And at the moment, let's see what we have at the moment. And then we, we can try to uh, forecast a bit what's going to happen. At the moment, we have two extremes. So one extreme is people who have wallets and are able to keep them safe. They have hardware wallets. They're very careful with what they do online. And they get hacked once in a while. They lose their private keys once in a while. It still happens. All of us have lost a private key or, or got hacked a little bit. I mean, not all of us, but it's pretty common even if you are an early adopter and are very careful. Now, it's true that the technology is getting easier. Uh, wallets are getting more user-friendly. But still, um, this is the, the extreme left of, of the range. And 
with that one, once you have solved the self-sovereignty, the control of your wallet, you can do a lot of things, right? You can do DeFi, you can do NFTs, and you will be able to do a lot of new things coming up in, uh, in the next months and years. On the other side of this range, we have people who, you know, they got onto Binance, they bought a little bit of Bitcoin, and they go like, okay, I'm in crypto, uh, I buy and sell stuff. I buy and sell Shiba Inu and I'm in crypto. And they don't often realize that they are not really in crypto. They just own a little bit of it, right? Still, they exist. They are part of the ecosystem. Now, um, how are we going to bring those people to interact with dApps? Because this is the question, right? There are centralized systems which allow you to buy and sell tokens and to buy and sell NFTs. Um, but they don't really allow you yet to interact with the decentralized apps. That's to say, how can you interact with Uniswap? If you don't have a wallet, you cannot. Or maybe we can rephrase this question and say, what would happen if anybody who has a Binance account could interact with Uniswap in a safe manner? Meaning there. Um, login is a Web2 login, login and password, maybe two-factor authentication. Uh, if they get hacked, nothing gets lost. They don't have access to their private key, but they can still go on Uniswap and buy and sell. This will basically open Web3 to everybody because everybody can open a Binance account. Uh, it is not difficult. It's a Web2 interface, so they can do it. And they can even screw up. They can lose their password. They will lose their password. They will give, they will choose a password like password 01. And still, if something happens, usually they are protected because they are in a centralized environment. Now, if we find a way to let people interact with the digital assets in a centralized way, but interact with the Web3 decentralized apps, that's a step ahead. Now, the purists will say, no, that's a step back because. Instead of liberating everyone and having everyone being a sovereign, now we are, you know, they, they move their trust from the bank to Binance and then they interact with the Web3 app. But again, I am starting from a clear position. They want anyway. And decentralization, which means security, is a choice. And if you don't make that choice, today you're out of the system. And if somebody decides that they want to trade their security or their sovereignty for third-party security, let them do it. It's probably still better than not having access to this at all. So today, let's talk about DeFi, right? You, today, you have no wallet. You are stuck with interacting with banks and the, the traditional finance system. You can't go on curve and you know stake your stable coins and earn some interesting APY. You can't do that. Uh, Coinbase tried to offer this service and they were shut down. They, 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 I don't know, the SEC or yeah, probably the SEC told them, no, no, you can do that. Why? Well, because the banks are paying 0.3% or 0.03%. How are they going to allow a centralized service to offer and every institution in the traditional finance system is defending the incumbents. So this is not going to happen in that way. But what's going to happen if people can interact with Curve, for instance, through the safety of the third-party custodial app? Well, that will really bring the masses into Web3. 
not the way we wanted. But again, I realized the way we wanted was never going to happen anyway. But in a different way, we couldn't foresee a few years ago. Now, why am I doing this episode today? Well, I'm doing it because Coinbase has done something interesting here. And I'm going to talk about this. because If this is successful, it could really bring finally the mainstream into Web3. And we will be in travel. We will be finally able to create decentralized, secure, open protocols, which people with wallets are going to be able to use in a completely decentralized, safe, and self-sovereign way, and also allow Web2 users to interact with them. Because that's the point. We need critical mass, right? Now, even at the extreme end of this range where like people have their digital assets in a, in a, in a centralized exchange like Coinbase or, or Binance, it is still better than the Web2 platforms because you can bring your assets out, right? If you have a bit of Bitcoin in Coinbase, yes, you are leaving them with them. You're allowing them to custody your Bitcoin. This is not, not your keys, not your coin. Perfect. But there's a withdraw button. Anytime you can take them out. You don't have a withdraw button in Airbnb or Booking to take your listings out, right? Your reviews out. This is already better. Better because we have a new primitive, which is digital assets. They are self-standing assets and they're not just lines in a database. They are on the blockchain. Now, Coinbase has launched, and um, I'm reading this from their blog, uh, a new product. Um, it's still in alpha phase. Just a few wallets have it. And they say, access Web3 with the Coinbase app. Use popular Ethereum dApps with Coinbase, Coinbase's new dApp wallet and browser. Too long to read. Too long didn't read. TLDR thing, right? So this post highlights the ability to access and explore Web3 directly from your Coinbase app, powered by our new dApp wallet and dApp browser. What does it mean? It means you download Coinbase app, um, you don't get a private key, so you don't need to kind of save your private key. I suppose, I'm not 100% sure yet, but it looks like it's like this. So you interact with this app by login and password. And then you can interact with your login and password, so no private keys. You can interact with uh, Uniswap or any other Web3 app, even OpenSea. And in the event of you losing access to your device, your private keys are safe because Coinbase can help you retrieve them. Now, before we go ahead, let me tell you, I didn't understand this part too much. I I read the blog and they say they're using multi-part computation technology, MPC, which is like a multi-sig. So a multi-sig is like, okay, let's control this safe or this wallet uh, or this smart contract to be to be clear, actually to be precise, with three different keys, we just need two out of three to sign the uh, transactions. The multi-party com- computation technology is different. Uh, you have one address or one wallet, and the private key is split amongst a certain number of people. In that case, I assume between Coinbase and you, but you don't actually control the key. It's in your wallet or something like that. Anyway. Their value proposition, it remains to be seen if it's true or not. But what they say is like, okay, don't worry. Use your wallet. And if you lose the wallet, we can help you retrieve your private key and you don't lose your assets, okay? 
Does it work? Won't it work? I don't know. I'm reading. I'm actually even asking Twitter because it's not clear what they actually are doing here. It's still alpha. It's still an alpha phase, so they're going to be more precise, I assume, in the future. So what I really want to talk about is like there's a lot of effort trying to onboard the people who don't want a wallet. We call them the custodials. Actually, I call them the custodials. I'm not even sure it's a term. Custodials are people who say, no, 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 I don't want a wallet. Don't give me this private key. I don't want to deal with that. Login and password, and I want a number to call if something goes wrong. Okay, those people, the custodials, can we onboard them on Web3? Again, it remains to be seen, but what is sure is that there's a lot of effort right now into this aspect of Web3. Uh, it's not only me saying what I just said, is many companies realizing that the ma- mass adoption has to come through different technologies. And these technologies have to remove the total control and the total risk of private keys from the users. The users cannot deal with that. So at the end of uh, their, their blog post, they say, we want to enable everyone to seamlessly and safely participate in Web3. And today's launch is another step on that journey. You see the point here. We are going to get there only if we find a way to have anyone interacting with a Web3 application in, without a wallet or without being responsible for the security of the wallet. So this is a big shift in my thinking too. Um, and this is pretty recent. I would say three, four months I've started thinking about this, not, not longer than that, which is, again, let me reiterate that not everybody will own their own wallet and take care of their private keys. Actually, this is still going to be a minority. We need to think new layers and new services which take care of your wallet and basically the private key of your wallet, but in a way in which they cannot steal everything away from you. And what Coinbase has done here, it seems to be the case. They can help you if you have trouble, but they cannot take away stuff from you. So if you acquire an NFT through this new app, they can take it away from you. So you actually own your digital asset. You don't own your keys or you own half of your keys. That's again, not so clear but you own your assets. So what I'm talking about in today's podcast is not, guys, we found a solution, is the solution seems to be elsewhere. It seems to be in a direction we don't really like as purists or as early adopters. But okay, let's start thinking in in real terms. Let's be realistic. That's how, or maybe that's how we're going to onboard the other 95%, or maybe not. This may fail. I don't know. The, the point is, we haven't yet found the solution. So if we don't find a solution to this, Web3 in trouble, well, Web3 in general, but Web3 in trouble will remain what it is today. Something only a small part of people use. And when it gets bigger, like NFTs for artists, it becomes really dangerous. And Web3 is dangerous. It's always been. And it gets more dangerous as less sophisticated people come in. And by sophisticated here, I don't mean less cultured or less clever or whatever. Just people who don't have the nerd mindset or the engineer mindset or the mathematic mindset, which is most of people. So from their point of view, it's either 
stay out. This stuff is not for you. You have password zero one as a password. Forget it. Or get in, get in, and then you're probably going to lose your money. But, you know, that's life. So is it something we should fight against? I don't think so. I think everybody has to have the choice. And today you have the choice to be a completely independent player in the Web3 space. Uh, if you don't want to make that choice, and sometimes just because you don't want to spend time on this, yeah, we're going to try to say, okay, look, there are these advantages. You should really give it a try, but also give another option to, to go in a more centralized way. And think about it, even from my point of view, there are going to be some services where I prefer a custodial service because maybe it's not much money, because maybe it's stuff I don't want to kind of, it's not too valuable. And I want the comfort of using a centralized service. And then other stuff, I want it decentralized. Like Bitcoin, I want it on my wallet. I don't want it on exchange, right? Maybe a, a video game with NFTs. Yeah, okay, leave it centralized. Just let me get my NFTs out if I want to. And, and I'm fine with that. So use cases will define the level of decentralization I need. And use cases will define the level of decentralization most people will need. Now, to go against this you know, analysis of the situation, one may say, okay, you are basically letting the old order survive. Things will work as before. And the answer is yes, unless people, the famous layer zero, change and they understand the trade-offs and they make the effort necessary to take control of their assets, Things are not going to change radically as we would like to. But this has always been a dream. Probably we should start thinking into incremental improvement. So let's go back to the decentralized Airbnb. Completely decentralized Airbnb, just for a few users, hosts and guests, and probably won't have enough critical mass to make sense. But a web tree. Airbnb with custodial services where, yes, you are doing everything in a centralized manner, but your stuff is digital assets. It's tokens and it's NFTs. And your reviews are decentralized, so they are immutable. That's a big step ahead. Can we do better? Well, we could if everybody would, you know, kind of evolve. But people won't evolve. Most people will never evolve. So the decentralization we can afford, it's a function of how people are. And we can't force that, that part of the equation. So we, we have to look at how people are today and either decide that we won't do anything until they evolve, so we could wait for centuries, or say, okay, there's a way with this new technology to build something which is at least incrementally better than today's situation. Today's situation is the worst of both worlds. It's completely centralized. There's no innovation. And no one, not even those who would like to, have the chance to secure their assets. In my Airbnb account, if I could, I would manage my listings and I would manage my reviews and I would manage my customers and my money through my wallet. I would do that. I can't. So bring me to a place where I can and other people like me can. And people who don't want to do that can, but they can still decide to trust Airbnb and, you know, like do it in the old way. But the very fact that they can 
it's already an exit. And the concept of exit is very important here. The fact that if Airbnb or Booking or any travel industry platform exaggerates in their value extraction, in their control, or don't put enough you know, attention and investment into dealing fairly with the users, the very fact that they can leave will mitigate this power. It's the value of the exit. The exit is valuable even if you don't go through the door. The fact that that door exists changes the balance of power. So if through these kinds of experiments like uh, Coinbase now, and I'm sure others will try this or something different, if through them, we can move into a world in travel where people have an exit as an option at least. Like 5% of people will manage stuff in a decentralized way, maybe 10 in the long term, 15, it doesn't matter. But if from the beginning, everybody has an exit, then we don't have to worry anymore for when the mass adoption happens. Even if you know we go from 5% to 50% in 20 years, it's still okay. At least we came out of this super controlled environment in which we are in right now. So let's be not ideological, because if you're ideological, you tend to also lose opportunities to make things better in general. So you could go like, okay, no, I'm going to only do protocols which only people with a wallet can use. That's it. Because I don't want anybody to be controlled by a third party, which is acceptable and understandable from an ideological point of view. but It will take us five years from now, 10 years from now, probably to be in a very similar situation in which most people are excluded from any kind of improvement. I'd rather think in terms of like, okay, let's try to build something which is really decentralized and most people can use in a manner or the other and everybody will get a better deal out of the internet. In this way, some people more, some people less, but you know, anyone according to its own interests and abilities. And I tell you, it's been hard to, to, to shift my thought into this direction because it's much easier to be an extremist and to refuse any kind of compromise. It's simpler, it's less moving parts, and it's also much easier to judge um, a project and say, well, no, this is not very decentralized, you know. The parameters are pretty clear. I want it on an immutable smart contract. I want it on uh, several front ends with IPFS, etc. Anything else, I don't want to talk about. Fine, this is very easy. But it, it won't bring people in. So it won't change much. So it's understandable to say, no, nah, okay, I just let this do it only decentralized, no semi-custodial wallets, no whatever, right? Only your own keys, your own coins only self-sovereign wallets. It's much harder to, you know, this direction I'm going into is much harder because then it's easy to fall for this kind of half decentralized solutions which promise adoption but actually bring dystopian situations. It's much harder. Uh, the, the analysis of what other people are offering and even the analysis of your own products, of what you build, is much harder. So, of course, I resisted this idea, but I finally gave up. And I want to be clear here. This is not about not offering decentralization. This is about offering super decentralized protocols. Like Uniswap is one of the most decentralized, right? 
and only users with a wallet can interact. Now, if somebody else from outside allows people to interact with Uniswap in a semi-centralized manner, like Coinbase is trying to do, well, first of all, Uniswap cannot stop them because it's permissionless and it's immutable. So they don't even have an option. They don't have a say. They built like a, a perpetual machine which allows people to do certain things like exchanging tokens. They build it thinking that you need a wallet and then somebody comes up with a, with a way to have people without a wallet to interact with it. The wallet is still there, but people don't, don't really manage the wallet or at least they need the help of a third party to manage this wallet. So Uniswap will still accept it. So we can still build and we should still build the infrastructure in a completely decentralized way. But we don't have a say on how people will use them. This is very similar to payments. So there was a time when we tried to have everybody paying Bitcoin by saying, you know, if you want to pay in Bitcoin, this is my address, make your booking with Bitcoin. But today, most people using cryptocurrencies for payments are using credit cards, Crypto.com, Binance Card, and, and many, many others. That's how the market responded to a certain uh, need of, of the users. And it responded in a way we may not like, but it works. And I use these cards because the alternative to pay with a wallet is simply not there. So if shops had ways to pay directly cryptocurrency through cryptocurrency, uh, I would love this to happen. Now, one may say, if you encourage building this layers between the centralized system and centralized systems, there's never going to be real peer-to-peer. Yes, I agree. If you solve my, my, my problem in putting a credit card in the middle, I have a lesser need to find somebody who accepts Bitcoin as a payment. But that's not my choice. This is because people don't have wallets. And if you make this easy, it could be argued that when everybody actually has these wallets and everybody has crypto because it's easy now through a credit card to acquire and manage crypto, then maybe at that time we have enough critical mass to allow crypto payments in a completely decentralized way. So maybe this is the path to decentralization and it has to go through these systems. I don't know. I just know that it's not going to happen in the linear way we were thinking and the masses are going to be liberated this is not going to happen the masses are not going to be liberated it's a personal choice and it should be a personal choice you cannot force this stuff on people so what does it mean for travel for web chain travel well it means that we will have mass adoption probably not the way we're thinking maybe not even the way we are looking at right now, but we will have it. It is going to happen. We can still build our decentralized applications. And most of all, it teaches us that it never goes the way we think. It just goes its own way. There's dynamics and there's uh, forces out of our control. All we can do is try to understand them and navigate them and try to bring some value to the real world and not to the world of our dreams. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A, and see you next time.